Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Oh, it's a privilege to be in the house of the Lord and to worship with the Lord with some of the finest people that he ever put on the planet. Amen. If you would go with me this morning to the book of Ezekiel chapter 42 and verse 20. Book of Ezekiel chapter 42 and verse 20. And you may be seated. I know we've been standing in a while. And you can remain seated during the reading of the word. And while you're finding that in your Bibles. I don't know if I heard it on a radio or a podcast or what brought it to my mind. But do you remember the story or maybe it would be a fable as little children that said Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. Humpty Dumpty. Had a great fall. All the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty Dumpty back together again. And I thought about that riding down the road, and the question come to my mind is, why didn't the king try? His horses and his men tried. And sometimes I think if we apply that to our spiritual life, and and I'm at the front of the line, I try everything I can. I'm a fixer by nature. And when something goes wrong, I can fix it. I can take care of it. And what I need to do first and foremost is let the king put it back together. When everything goes wrong in my life or when I face trials or troubles or heartache, if we'll just let the king fix it, then everything's going to be all right. Praise the Lord. The book of Ezekiel chapter 42 and verse 20. He measured it by the four sides. It had a wall round about 500 reeds long and 500 broad to make a separation between the sanctuary and the profane place. Here in this scripture, the sanctuary represents that which is holy or is sanctified and it's set apart. It's dedicated to God and His service. And the profane that it's talking about here is that which is irreverent or ungodly. It could be vile and blasphemous. And it actually stands in direct opposition and contradiction to everything that is pure and holy. And I believe, and not not just me, there are many that believe that there is a clarion call from the Lord. And it's not what a lot of people want to hear. It is, in fact, more than a call. It's an ultimatum that God, I believe, has given the church in these last days. And I believe the Lord is in the process of giving this ultimatum. And I believe that it is this. uh, Burn or be buried. And I hope to explain that in the next few minutes, if you allow me. And I want to preach from that subject this morning. Burn or be buried. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, I love you. And I'm so thankful for the Spirit of God that we have felt in this place. 
God, I'm thankful for the word that went forth this morning from Brother Williams. I'm thankful for the praise and worship and the men and women that led us to the throne room of God. And I'm asking for the next few minutes, Lord, as we break open this bread of life one more time, that you would anoint me, anoint us as a congregation to receive what thus saith the Lord. And we thank you for that, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Amen. I don't believe that it is just my opinion here this morning that there is a Holy Ghost ultimatum that is going forth from the throne room of God. It's almost like it's a a verdict that has been issued from the courtroom of heaven. Every Holy Ghost-filled anointed preacher of the gospel may have a different title, but all across the world they're preaching this same thing that I'm going to talk about this morning. If you listen to very much preaching or podcast, you'll know what I'm talking about. But the Holy Ghost is making it very clear that there is no more room for lukewarm, half in, half out, half up, half down, and half-baked Christianity. This was read many ser- a few services ago, but let me remind us of this in the book of Revelations chapter 3 and 14. And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans, Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou wert cold or hot. So then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth because thou sayest I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing and knowest not that thou art wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. And that's where so many people find themselves today. They're wretched and don't realize it. Miserable and don't want to admit it. Poor and can't see it. Blind and can't see and naked and don't even know it. God is drawing a line through the church and it is a dividing line that is going to separate the saints from the ain'ts. Let me go back to our text, if you will, where it said measured by four sides, a wall round about, 500 reeds long, 500 broad to make a separation between the sanctuary and the profane. There is a separation that's coming to the church. And it's going to be a clear demarcation. It's in the church now. It's between professors and possessors. It's between lies and truth tellers. It's between the crucified and the satisfied. It's between the undecided and the completely sold out. And it's between the sanctified and the pacified. You're going to fall in one of these two categories. Look at these two verses with me, if you will, who I think are the perhaps the most eye-opening in the whole Bible about the subject that I'm talking about this morning. God is serious about drawing a line through the church. And in the book of Amos chapter 7 and verse 7, Thus he showed me and beheld the Lord stood upon a wall made by a plumb line, with a plumb line in his hand. And the Lord said unto me, Amos, what seest thou? And I said, a plumb line. Then said the Lord, behold, I will set a plumb line in the midst of my people Israel. And this just shakes me to the core. I will not again pass by them anymore. What kind of church is it that the Lord has dropped a plumb line in and decided that I won't pass by anymore. I submit to you this morning that it's a dead church. And ladies and gentlemen, it's happening all over this country and this world right now. There are mega churches. There are many churches, uh, big and small and all in between. Size doesn't matter. But the angel of the Lord 
is marking churches that no longer hold the sacred truth of God's Word in their hearts. Where the gospel is no longer proclaimed over the pulpits and they no longer host the presence of God. There are far too many churches and not only churches but preachers that stand behind pulpits day in and day out and all that they will say is how good God is and how He's going to bless you with riches and how, how many things that He can do for you and all of those are true and in fact and point to the matter. But what needs to be said and what preachers need to be saying today is stand on the Word of God and said there is a clear and present plan that God has instructed us and that is to be filled with the Spirit of God be baptized in His name by water and, and be speaking in tongues with the Holy Ghost that is a clear pathway that God has given us and God is saying about the congregation that they will never know my presence in their midst again because they have bowed their knees to another God now that other God does not necessarily mean uh, far as Baal or Buddha or any God like that. But we can make things in our life a God about out of anything. And that's why so many churches never reopened after the pandemic. And the many that did, they lost most of their congregation. And so they couldn't even afford to keep the doors open. When I first thought of this title or it come to my mind about burn or be buried what I felt like was that the Lord was speaking to me specifically. That you've been idle long enough. And, and I don't mean that in a, in a bad way or a sinful way or a backslidden way, but I, I just felt the Holy Ghost saying, in this last days, in these last days, you need to be more on fire. You need to burn with the Holy Ghost or you'll end up being buried or, or, or taken over by this world. When your fire disappears... When your passion disappears, the Lord's going to disappear. And I knew that he was saying that the church that doesn't catch fire in this hour and doesn't represent him faithfully and honestly, we're going to be buried. The church in this hour that does not love the truth and does not burn with the fire of God and is not passionately pursuing God and hating sin... And church is going to be buried. Not, not that God is going to bury a church. It's the world. It's the thoughts and the precepts of the world that's creeping into the church and will make the church irrelevant. God won't bury. What He said was is He'll spew you out of His mouth. He will not be doing the burying. Here's what Jesus did say. Let the dead bury the dead. The church that doesn't catch fire in this hour, and we all know this, is going to be a powerless church. And they will have absolutely no impact or influence on this society whatsoever. And they will be buried by the very ones that we were sent to rescue. It stirs my soul. I'm not casting stones because I live in a glass house. But it stirs my soul that there are not more people at these altars praying for the Holy Ghost. It stirs my soul that we don't see baptisms more often than we do. And I, again, I'm not throwing rocks and I'm not trying to be ugly or unkind. But you would think it the shape and the position that this world is in, that people would be running. Running to the altars to, to find peace, to, to be filled with the Holy Ghost and to make sure that they're saved. The fireless church is a powerless church and the powerless church in this hour is going to be buried. 
And they'll be buried by wokeism, by liberalism, by humanism, by transgenderism, by sexism, and by Satanism. That's what we're going to be buried by. So in this hour, it's all in or all out. If we're not carrying the fire of the Holy Ghost, we're going to get swallowed up and we're going to be buried by hell's fire. Parents, parents and grandparents, if you don't put something in your kids that is more powerful than the devil, then the devil is going to swallow them up. I, I hate to say this, uh, and I'm sure that if our teachers in the house this morning were at liberty to say this, they would tell you the same thing. But many of our schools have become a recruiting ground for transgenderism, woke ideology, and Satanism. That's, that's what it's come to. But don't be fooled, and don't think for a minute that this woke ideology is not an invitation for the demons of hell to possess our children and our grandchildren. They have targeted the children and the grandchildren of this generation. They have decided that if they couldn't kill them through abortion, then their plan is to possess them and to confuse them and pervert them and destroy them as well as their countless lives. I, I can remember some time back when they were, was, we was, as a church, we was doing a food pantry. And Brother Toby was in the process of, he, he was sort of heading that up and one particular day I had went to help and I noticed that there were a lot of elderly people or older couples coming to get the food. Well-dressed, pulled up in nice cars. I said, Toby, what, what's the deal with this? And he said, well, what a lot of it is, is the parents will not raise the children. So the grandparents are having to raise them and they're retired, they're on a budget, they have their life planned out and was not expecting this. And so because the grandparents are having to raise them, we have a generation of parents who won't be parents. They want to be cool. They want to do the things of the world. and They, they want to negate their responsibilities. And so we have a generation coming up of children that don't know the truth, don't know how to act, don't know where to go to when trouble comes. And it's our responsibility as a church, and I'm not saying that we're not doing this, but if we're not, we need to be on fire. We need to be reaching harder than we've ever reached before for the lost of this world. The churches that will no longer preach the true gospel in this Acts 2.38 message, they won't preach against sin, and they won't preach that it's the blood that washes whiter than snow, and they won't, they won't preach truth because they're afraid. They're afraid of the culture. They're, bow, they're afraid and they're bowing and worshiping at the altar of cultural relativism. They're concerned with about being politically correct and concerned with making sure that no one is offended by the message. I heard an old preacher a long time ago saying, if you spend all your time studying to preach to not offend nobody, then you won't reach anyone. And it is not intentionally that the ministers stand up behind this desk to, to cast stones or to do anything, but we have a mandate us as a congregation, we as a congregation have a mandate on our lives to teach and preach truth. It's a responsibility. Please don't misunderstand me. I am 100% a believer in preaching this Acts 2.38 message with love and compassion. And it can be done that way. But it cannot be watered down. It cannot be sugar-coated. 
We have a doctrinal identity and we must stand firm on that foundation. That doesn't mean that, doesn't mean that it's our job to, to dress the people up the way we think they ought to be. Doesn't mean that it's our job once they come through the doors to teach them how to talk and walk like we do. That's not our job. But what is our responsibility, what is our job is to every day that we live, on the job site, wherever we may find ourselves, it is our responsibility to walk the walk and talk the talk that we claim and profess on Sundays. The Holy Ghost will take care of everything else. It, it, it hasn't needed a, any help since the Acts Church was first born and it don't need any help today. The Holy Ghost is plenty powerful enough to handle things on their own. And the churches that are not preaching the truth, God is going to allow them to be buried by the very thing that they have bound down to. The church that is on fire does not fear a radical, woke, satanic-inspired and possessed culture. But in fact, that culture actually fears the church because they understand and they believe and they know the power of the Holy Ghost. God said, I will put the fear and the dread of you upon the nations. The reason Pharaoh brought the Israelites under bondage and slavery was because he was afraid of them waking up and walking into their destiny. In Exodus 1, Pharaoh said to his people, Behold, the people of the children of Israel are more and mightier than we are. We don't have a Pharaoh today, but we have the devil. And he might as well be saying to his demons about the church. He might as well be saying the same thing. We've got to keep them blinded. We can't let them discover that they have more power than us. We've got to keep them beat up, beat down, depressed, and discouraged. We've got to force them to worship at secular altars and agree with the demons of hell that of this ideology and we've got to threaten them that we'll cancel them and we will censor them if they disagree with us. That's why the world is trying to censor the church. Because they know if they don't, they're going to lose some congregations if they preach truth. Churches won't be filled anymore. Everybody wants to have... Let me back up. That's a strong statement. There are a lot of people that wants to have their ears tickled and to be sent home feeling good about themselves. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I want the man of God in my life to stand flat-footed behind this desk and tell me what I'm doing wrong and what I better be doing right. I, I, I don't want to find myself on the day of judgment standing there making mistakes that I shouldn't have made because it wasn't preached to me. And I, I'll, I'll say this, I'll say this with much love as I have in my heart. I understand that pressures are real and threats are real and that there may be some fiery furnaces in our future if we stand up and if we declare and not bow down to the things of this world. Life is hard and life is real. But if we don't stand up for God and this truth and we bow down and worship these other gods and we compromise this truth, make no mistake about it, ladies and gentlemen, we will separate ourselves from the presence of God. And we'll be buried by the same culture that churches all over this country are being buried by. Oh, we can still have church. We can sing. We can shout. We can preach. We've learned how to do that but we will have zero impact on the lost loved ones in our communities. We're living in a time of separation and distinction 
And God is marking those that belong to Him. And the devil is marking those that belong to Him. Contrary to what people think, there are, there are people that work for the devil. That's their sole purpose in the morning is to get up and see who all they can destroy and who all they can tear down. And you can't let yourself get caught up in that mindset. Now more than ever, now if you don't hear anything I say today, please hear this. Now more than ever, it's our apostolic identity that sets us apart. It used to be tongue-talking and shouting. Not anymore. Everyone's talking in tongues. Everyone's shouting. Everyone has demonstrative worship. There is no more gray area. Jesus said, you are either for me or against me. He said, you're either gathering with me or you're scattering abroad. And it's time that we be on fire for God, that we burn with the Holy Ghost power or be buried. And I know what some will say. Jerry, do you really believe it's that serious? Or is the season that we're in that desperate? Believe me when I say, yes, it is. In fact, I believe it's more critical than I can even express here today. I can't even begin to articulate to you the seriousness of the hour that we're in. I can only pray and you can only pray that the Holy Ghost can impress upon our hearts the urgency of the hour that we're in. Every one of us under the sound of my voice, I would, I would assume, has a lost loved one or friend. Ladies and gentlemen, Jesus is coming back. And soon, soon and very soon, the old song would say, we are going to see the King. I, I don't want my lost loved one saved. I don't want to see anyone in my family perish and burn in an eternal lake of fire. I want to make heaven my home and I want to do everything. Shame on me if I'm not reaching and praying and doing everything I can to draw my family into the church. Some will say, Jerry, there might be persecution if we get on fire for God. Well, I'll, I'll settle that right now. There will be. There will be. If you get on fire for God, at some point you will be persecuted. The writer said, all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. There is a choice before us today, and the choice is very simple. Oh, but living it out is so much harder. I want to share a few quotes with you by the great revivalist Leonard Ravenhill. He said, if Jesus preached the same message ministers preach today, he would have never been crucified. He said, let the fires go out in the boiler room of the church and the place will still look smart and clean, but it will be cold. The prayer room is the boiler room for its spiritual life. He said, the world outside there is not waiting for a new definition of Christianity. It's waiting for a new demonstration of Christianity. And finally, he says, the church right now in this day and hour has more fashion than passion. It's more pathetic than prophetic and it's more superficial and supernatural. I'm not trying to be cold or callous or disrespectful to anyone this morning, but if this generation, if we do not see a great revival in the church, then this generation will see the funeral of the church because there, there is no in-between. God's not looking for a casual, long-distance relationship. God is looking for hearts that are on fire, who passionately seek His face and pursue His presence. 
In this hour, the Spirit of God is searching through the earth for those whose hearts are on fire for Him. The promise, we all know the promise that in the last days, He will pour out His Spirit upon all flesh. But that doesn't mean that all flesh is going to receive that Spirit. There is a deciding factor, and that deciding factor is only the hungry and thirsty will be filled. Book of Matthew chapter 5, we read that clear and precise. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Some think that revival is not happening in North America, so it must not be time for the last days. I don't have to tell you this morning that America is just a small blip on the map. And if we think God is going to regulate revival to the United States, we're fools. There's revival going on in all other countries like the likes that has never been seen. Sister Terry just gave us a promotion this morning of what missionaries are doing overseas by the hundreds of thousands of people being filled with the Holy Ghost, baptized in Jesus' name. The blind see, the lame walk, miracle after miracle after miracle. Don't be so foolish to think because we don't see those things in our services that God is not moving in other places. I'll say it again. Blessed are those who thirst and hunger after righteousness, for they shall be filled. And we got a responsibility to hunger after God. Wherever God finds hunger in the church, there will be revival. And where there is no hunger, there will be a funeral. There is this misconception that is creeping into the church. And it's coming from the world. But it, it scares me to death. And that is this, that so many Christians, and, and non-Christians too, are so concerned with the prophecies of the end time. And we should be. Please, please don't misunderstand what I'm about to say here. The book of Revelations is there for a reason. The book of Daniel is there for a reason. And I, we need to make ourselves, as born-again apostolics, we need to make ourselves familiar about the end times. But there are so many who are concerned with that prophecy. And whether you're, whether you're I don't want to get into that this morning, but whether you're pre-tribulation, mid-tribulation, or, or post-tribulation, that's not the point I'm trying to make here. But there are some who are looking at the prophecies and they're saying things like, well, the temple hasn't been built in Jerusalem yet. Red heifer hasn't been sacrificed yet. The Antichrist isn't here yet, so I, I've still got some time. I can still do the things that I want to do. I can, then when I see these things happening in the news, then I can run to the altar and get right with God. Now, I'm not making this up. I've heard this come out of people's mouths, people I know personally. I've stood there in conversation with them and heard what I just told you. And it's not going to work like that. And even if it did, why would you wait? I may be in a head-on collision tomorrow and leave this world. I may fall over dead before I walk out those doors. Why would I wait to receive the best gift that the world has ever seen? Why would I wait to not be a child of the King of Kings? Why wait? We need to pray today. That God would birth in us a hunger that cannot be satisfied with anything less than seeing His presence move amongst us. Spiritual hunger is the single greatest evidence of a revival coming. 
Spiritual hunger is in itself a prophecy of the feeling to come. King David asked, Will thou not revive us again that the people may rejoice in thee? And God answered him back and said, And ye shall seek me and find me when ye shall search for me with all your heart. I'm going to ask our musicians to come. There are times in a person's health journey that a doctor may offer the patient options in their treatment. Then if there is no improvement, the doctor may say we are out of options and it's this particular treatment that we're going to have to issue you or you will die. And this is no exaggeration. This is where we are in America right now. In this hour, in these days, it's time for revival. The church does not have an option. It's burn with the Holy Ghost or be buried. When boys are invading girls' locker rooms and competing in girls' sports, it's time for revival. When children are encouraged to determine their own gender based on how they feel at the time, it's time for revival. When streets are filled with angry protesters demanding the legal right to murder their babies, it's time for revival. And I know nobody wants to talk about this. We want to sweep this under the rug and don't bring this out in the light. But when, when transgenders are holding offices in the highest places of our nation, it's time for revival. When suicide, when suicide is an all-time high in our country, it's time for revival. When outright devil worship is glorified on national television, it's time for revival. When the violence in many of our cities has doubled and tripled, rape, murder, theft is off the chains, it's time for revival. When fentanyl poison is killing hundreds of people a day, it's time for revival. When there are over 600,000 abortions a year, it's time for revival. There are no more options. This is it. We are here. We are at the place. Either the church has revival or we die. Jesus said either we get on fire or He's going to spew us out of His mouth. And we're going to be buried by the people we were supposed to be here to resurrect. I believe we are living in the most critical time in the history of not only this nation, this is the most critical time to be a part of the church. We should be honored that God created us for such a time as this. Allowed us to be born at this time. It's the greatest time in history to be a part of the apostolic church now. You and I sitting here today have the greatest opportunity that stands in front of us that we will ever encounter in our life. That opportunity is to be a part of this apostolic church, to be a part of this apostolic truth, know where our home is going to be and have the ability to witness to our friends and family and bring them into the house. That's, that's the greatest opportunity that we have. We are all out of options. Burn or be buried. And I'm going to say this respectfully. I love each and every one of you with all my heart and wouldn't do anything to offend you intentionally. So if what I'm about to say does, would you please see me after church so that I can make a formal apology to you. We have the greatest church that I know of. The greatest pastor that walks planet earth. The, the finest first lady that has ever been. Some of the best leaders ever born. The greatest people in the world. The greatest saints that I know. Yes, sir. 
sit in this house today. But ladies and gentlemen, we're spoiled. We're spoiled to having the best of the best, including the Spirit of God that moves in our services. Sometimes the Holy Ghost is so strong in this house that it makes me tremor. And what makes me even more tremor, tremor more, and I, I'm, again, please don't think that I'm casting stones. But sometimes we can sit idly by and check our watch and think about all the things that we can do. And the power of the Holy Ghost is so strong in the house you can almost taste it. And we won't move. We're spoiled to having the best. And that can become very dangerous. Because we will become complacent. And with complacency comes laziness. And before you know it, we don't think we have to practice to be on the praise team. We don't think we have to pray over the music. We don't think we have to worship and pray to have a good service. We think that I don't have to study to preach. And then just like that, the enemy has us right where he wants us. Oh, we can still sing and play, and we got some of the best singers and the musicians in the state. We can still preach sermons. There's some men in this church that can preach the cover off this book. Our pastor and these men preach are some of the finest. And I, I'm positive they can preach a sermon or come up with something that will tickle our ears. But without the power, without the fire and the anointing of God, we will be spinning our wheels and going nowhere fast and having zero impact on the lost in our communities. I want you to think with me just for a moment. If you're standing in front of the judgment seat and you have been ushered to the side because you have made it. You are home. You're about to walk on streets of gold. And you turned around and stand and watch your son come to the judgment. Watch your daughter. Watch your wife. Watch your husband. Watch your loved one come and stand before the King of Kings. You've made it. You're safe, so to speak. And you have to watch them be judged by the Almighty knowing, knowing they're not going to make it. And they're going to burn in an eternal hell. i got to believe with all my heart that the Lord at that point is going to prick us in our spirit. What could I have done more? Should I have prayed more? Should I have been more intent on witnessing to them? No, I didn't want to because I didn't want to offend them. I didn't want it to become between our family relationship. I tell you today, we're at the point where nothing else matters. Ladies and gentlemen, we've got to be saved. I heard something a few weeks ago that has pricked my heart. And I'm trying to hurry to a close. And I have prayed on it. I've meditated on it. I've spent the last few weeks since I've heard it taking an inventory of my life. I heard it from an old apostolic pastor from Indiana and he said that the Lord spoke to him in prayer. He had come to the sanctuary to pray and there was some sound men that were there that night working. Not a church service but they were just working on the sound and he come and not knowing they were there he said would it be alright if I pray men? And they said absolutely. 
And so he began to pray and the Lord spoke to something to him and he said it out loud. And when he got through praying, he went back there to see if they heard it because he wanted to be sure that what the Lord had spoke through him was right. And he said this, and the men agreed with him. They had heard it and tears began to weep, pour from their eyes because once they heard him say that, they too found a place of prayer. Sound music didn't matter no more. But he said this, he said, after the resurrection, we all know that we're going to reign a thousand years with Jesus. The millennial reign it's referred to in the Bible. He said, I'm applying, imagine yourself applying for a job for the millennial reign with Jesus Christ. And the life I'm living now is my resume. Is the life I'm living now fit for a king to reign with him? Would you stand with me across this house? I'm asking us that question today. Is the life I'm living now, which will be my resume on judgment day, is it fit for a king? They're going to close in a song and we're going to just a few minutes be dismissed from this service. But I beg of you in the Holy Ghost, don't walk out them doors if you're unsure. Don't leave this house if you're not sure that you absolutely know where you're spending eternity. And if you are, I'm asking you not to leave this house without praying for somebody that is not. I'm going to open these altars or you can make an altar where you stand. And I believe we all know someone who isn't saved. I don't want to see my family lost. I don't want to see my loved ones lost. I have cousins. I have aunts. I have uncles. I have a brother. I have a father that's lost. And I don't want to see them burning in eternal hell. I'm asking you, God, to give me the strength. Anoint me with enough Holy Ghost, God, to be a witness. To stand on this truth, Lord. To be firm on what your word says. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.